Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Cathedral. So today's gospel reading, Jesus sends out 70 people in pairs to share the gospel message that the kingdom of God is near. This is a reminder that we're never alone, and God doesn't expect us to be alone. We need one another to do the work of Christ. There is no rugged individualism in the gospel. And that's where we have this amazing cathedral staff and all these volunteers who have helped me while Dean Churchwell has been gone. What would I do without all you wonderful people to, to keep me going? So I thank you guys so much uh, for being you. This cathedral is like a well-oiled machine. It's amazing. But sending out the 70 reminds me of the development of the Anglican communion throughout the world, and specifically how Anglicanism came to the United States. As we are a day away from celebrating our independence from England as a country, I thought it'd be, be nice to reflect on how the gospel functions in our civic lives. <clears throat> the Episcopal Church developed at the same time as our country. Anglican priests came over from England as the U.S. was being colonized and started building churches and establishing an Anglican identity in the new colonies. And once the U.S. broke from England, so did the Anglican church. It was getting really hard for the bishops in England to, to manage and know what was going on with the priests and churches in the United States. And the English church structure under the authority of the queen didn't make sense for our U.S. structure of freedom and, and separation of church and state. So in 1789, the U.S. churches met in Philadelphia to unify under a single national church, the Episcopal Church. They adopted a constitution with a set of canon law. They revised the English Book of Common Prayer, so no more prayers to the Queen. And a national convention was established of two legislative houses modeled after the U.S. Congress. And a system of checks and balances similar to the new federal system was incorporated into the church constitution as well. So each Anglican body around the world has its own contextual identity. So if you go to Anglican church in, in Tanzania or in Mexico or India, it'll have the same liturgy, but it'll have a different structure and a different expression that's culturally appropriate. So to be an Episcopalian in the United States means you are thoroughly and deeply and proudly an American Episcopalian. Yes, we are a proud people, us Americans, and rightfully so, I think. We've created this democracy that gives people more rights and more freedom, and perhaps, you know, more than any other country ever before. And did you know that the U.S., the U.S. presidents, like the most presidents are Episcopalian than any other religion. Eleven. Eleven U.S. presidents were Episcopalian. And the Presbys are behind us with like seven. So, <laughs> it's fine. But together, over like almost half of the U.S. presidents were Episcopalian and Presbyterian. So, I thought that was a nice little history trivia for you. I'm sure that'll be a question at your next trivia round. 
So as American Episcopalians, we practice our faith in our civic lives. It's what we're known for. It's what we've been doing since the beginning of our time here. Because we want to put that gospel on the ground. We want to help our communities thrive and to make the kingdom of God come near. But there is a fine line between love of country and love of God. There's a difference between Christian values and American values. And Augustine explains this in terms of rightly ordered loves. And y'all get used to me. I quote Augustine all the time. Get used to it. But he says it's good to love things God has made, but it becomes evil when our love of that thing replaces our love of God. Like in the reading of Galatians today, Paul makes it clear that we are only to boast in the cross of Christ. The freedom we have in Christ is first. And it is in Christ in which we live and we move and we have our being. We humbly pray to you, God, so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the care and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. That's our collect for guidance in the daily office. And it's a great reminder of our Episcopal theology of how we order our lives and our loves. Christ is our center, our origin, and our purpose. Everything else flows from there. So in other words, our civic lives are nested within our faith lives. They're an extension of our faith, and we should also be motivated by our faith. And friends, I know things right now in our civic life and our country have been a little chaotic and difficult lately, and maybe even the past several years. It doesn't feel like we are the United States of America, does it? But I think this is a really important time to remind ourselves that our salvation and our faith do not lie in the powers and principalities of this world. No, they belong only in Christ. Our patriotism is not what saves us. Christ is what saves us. Don't get it twisted. We know from scripture and from history that worldly powers will rise and they will fall. They pass away. But the victory Christ captured in the cross is all we can boast about. It is our origin, our truth, our life, and our path. Remember also, friends, that today's scripture reminds us that when we are out there sharing the gospel and living the gospel, not all folks are going to want to know about it. They might not want to know about God's redeeming love and grace. That's okay. What does Jesus instruct us to do? He said, get up, wipe the dust from your sandals, and move along. He said, we're only to hang around those folks that accept the peace we bring. And we are to stay in those houses and in those communities that share God's love with one another. Living in unity with one another. We are to eat together and to drink together, as we're going to do shortly at this Eucharistic meal. This is where we hold on, folks. This community, this faith, this Jesus that gave himself as an offering and sacrifice to God for us. So I pray you will celebrate tomorrow. Celebrate with joy and with hope. With hot dogs and fireworks, of course. 
with family and friends, and remember our nation's heroes and all the sacrifices that have been made to get us our civic freedom. Don't forget also the complexities of colonization. Hold it all in loving tension, for human life is always complex. And lastly, friends, I pray your patriotic pride in our independence is rooted in our utter dependence on Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our God of all. For the kingdom of God has come near to us. Amen.